All right, what up, what up, what up? I am John, and this is the John Muhammad Podcast Show. Today, our guest is an MC out of Uganda who moved here to America. She took first in the 16 and 60 cipher. Hip-hop, golden age, named her one of the best in the U.S. Hip-hop, underground, and the best hip-hop album of 2020. She got songs on digital platform called Dear Corona, and nitty gritty. She's an activist. She's a creator. She's a producer. She's an MC. All my fans and followers, show love. Give it up for the queen. Emily's in the building. What up, mama? Peace. What's going on, brother? I'm solid. What up, I'm people? solid. Yep. Yep. We good. We good. We just, everybody dealing with the same stuff. So it's, you know, you figuring That's out the right. The best way to deal with it, you know, and if you can do it right, you know, you keep a good, positive attitude about everything, even though times are rough. Perspective. Yeah, I That's think. Right. Yeah, I think we move faster and better that way. But uh, let's get straight into it. Um, I've been checking you out, checked out some of your interviews, you know, listening to your music. You came from Uganda. That's right. Tell us a little right. bit, give me a little bit of that story. When y'all was in Uganda and the reason why y'all left Uganda and came to America. Mm. I was born, my father's part of the family is from the north. And I believe my mother's part of the family is more from the south side. The north side of Uganda is where the big civil war inner conflict broke out. It was pretty long. I believe it was at least 20 years of, of fighting and um, different kinds of rebel infantries, depending on how you look at it. And a lot of violence, a lot of people displaced, um, a lot of children uh, kidnapped and abducted and um, just a lot of violence. So part of the you know silver lining of everything is leaving that in the right time. Um, however, I was two years old when my mother and my father and, and me came here. Um, but actually my father had already left the country. He was on a scholarship, uh, in Italy. He was studying banking and finance at the time. And he, um, was doing his thing because they offered him a job in America. And he basically was like, I'll take the job, but you have to, bring my daughter and my wife basically and so he sent the head for us and then we came and um yeah so really you could say education was the reason why we like he got the leg up to move out and then um because most of my family is still there the violence has been over for a little minute now uh it's just a lot of rebuilding because, um, like I said, with a lot of the people who were displaced, and then um, you basically have a whole generation of young people who are young adults now, and they weren't able to go to school. They're illiterate. They, you know, have a, a skill set that is not as well-rounded as, you know, one would like their child to be. So, um, plus all the stories, that's the thing with war, all, this, all the untold stories of all the things that have happened to the men, the women, the children, the elders. So, um, and so 
art is really important with that too. So it's a very surreal thing for me to be doing what I'm doing as well. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's such a chopped up story because I'm the only one in my family who was raised here and, um, being leaving when I was two years old, uh, people were already starting to talk to, to me in English. So yeah. I lost a lot of the language and, um, and in my, and where we are, my, uh, my, like my tribal clan is a Choli and in a Choli, there's like 11 tribal languages within that. So it's a really? lot to wow. lose. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like the main, um, there's the main language of Luau and then there's the subset of the Acholi people and then there's sub languages in that set. So imagine that times how, how many ever t people are in that country times right. the amount of countries, you know, it's a huge continent. Uh, I know, I know my mother, she, I believe she knew like 11 different dialects locally. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. And, that's, and not even not not French, not Swahili. We're not even talking yeah. about that. So yeah, so it was a big gap for me. And then coming here, the first place we landed was Harlem, of all places. I don't know that was God doing what God does. Yeah. And uh, we landed in Harlem. It had to be about 1990. So yeah, we're talking you know post crack era thick yep. hip-hop in the air we were we straddled harlem and washington heights so there was a lot of activity in the street yeah. um a lot of music um being played not just hip-hop but a lot of um bachata salsa merengue jazz um underground stuff mainstream stuff and then for the first uh year so we were in this place called International House, which is still standing. It's in Harlem on Broadway. Yeah. And it's like a place where, you know, people who are under some kind of scholarship are able to be housed. But then when that time was up, we were we like right into the hood, like right in the hood after that, like straight away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went from a like institutional, like complex with children from all over the world. Like I had kids from... India, my best, my best friends were Indian, um, from Finland. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like all over the world. Right. And, um, and then they would do these things where everybody dressed up in their garb. So that's my reality for a little second. And then right to the hood after that. So yeah, it was pretty trippy. And then from there it was mostly Harlem. And then when my parents got divorced, we moved around. Um, I moved around my mother to Queens and to the Bronx um, on my own. I moved to Brooklyn, came back to Harlem, been a New York baby ever since. We dipped out to California for a little while. That was like a good six months, a little bit more than that. And then came back to New York. Right. So yeah, when I say, <laughs> when I say I'm a nomad, yeah. Uh, it's been wow. a wild trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I knew I was going to get a really good story. Uh, complex, but yeah, uh, it make diamonds. Diamonds out of the rough, so, you know. Yeah. That's what you come from. So, you made it, and you're still here. And you're still here. To, yeah, and you're able to, you know, live out your dream and, and give everybody your gifts. So, you know, yeah. you can't lose like that. Can't lose like that. Okay, so we're in the era now, Corona. You know, because everybody know. You even wrote a song about it. Tell me what was your life 
when you knew it was real because everything around you was starting to change? What was your life at that moment? Were you torn? How did Corona change whatever it was you was doing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I was working, I had two jobs and I knew for me, I knew it was, even if it wasn't real, I was so I got a smile because when you started the question, you asked me, when did I know it was real? And that's a loaded question. Okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, to answer the question about, um, when things began to change very viscerally, uh, it was immediate for me because I was working two jobs. It was about March and they, it still wasn't lockdown still hadn't happened. We weren't under quarantine yet, but the, 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 the word coronavirus had gotten out around my job. I worked in, um, the, I worked in hospitality and the restaurant industry and like, like a club nightlife situation. So you around a lot of people. So already around the jobs, they were telling us like to start doing things differently. And they brought out big can sanitizers and we just still didn't know what it was going to turn into, but it was starting to get, you know, um, you know, telling us not to touch stuff and blah, blah, blah. But then I just got a call one day and was like, um, we'll no longer be needing you or like, you're not like, I'm not on the schedule or whatever. And I was just like, what? And then the other (laughs) job did the same thing. And I'm like, what? (laughs) um so like in a week I lost both jobs (laughs) I felt like Friday yo yeah I lost both jobs and I was just like you know and then because you're used to running and gunning yeah you're running and gunning you're you're probably not like most people yeah you're not really sleeping that well you know what I'm saying You're, you're on your feet blah 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 um, plus I was doing all that work because I was, um, trying to fund my album and basically right. like fund all my operations as a creative independent, um, which takes you know, a good amount. So I was, you know, really out there, like doing the best I could. So that was a big, yeah. like gut check for me. And, yeah. um, on the immediate, uh, the first, I would say that, yeah, that first week where it was like, Ooh, uh, not at work. This right. is weird. Um, I had a very big depression. Right. <laughs> you think we have to, right? Like, right. you know, job that we hate to come to and then suddenly it's not there and all we right. want to do is be there. But yeah. yeah, so I was, I was pretty depressed to be honest for the first, like that first immediate wave because we didn't have a lot of answers about what was going on. And I didn't know what I was going to do because I felt like the future of my art was dependent on how much I could invest in it myself. So that definitely, you know, hurt, uh, like weighed on my spirit a lot. And then it would have got worse for me, but starting to write that song and, um, record it and create that video and design it and, and direct it and film it and edit it. That helped me out so much. Like that turned everything around. And that, that was the first formal thing I also invested, start like started investing that money into, and it just set like a huge, huge foundation for me. So, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of candles lit, a lot of incense, 
know what I'm saying? A lot, <laughs> a lot of coals burning. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a rough dip. And like you said, dips still come, you know, uh, we're all, we're all human. Some of us have higher tolerances than others, but dips do come and perspective is important and like employing every grounding and centering technique you can yoga, meditation, writing, like yeah. breathing, um, right. you know, changing your social habits, you yeah. know, whatever it is that you could do, like every single thing you can do helps in, in times like this. That's real. That's real. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about your song, Dear Corona. Everything's going on. A lot of people, some people going through it. You know, that's the reason why I guess it continues to spread because some people ain't taking it serious. I don't know. Um, what was that moment that hit you to where all of a sudden, however you write your lyrics or some people freestyle or whatever, but that moment it hit you and all of a sudden you was putting that pad to the paper. Yeah. I was sitting in the studio that I was also living out of and I was sitting in the chair and I was really thinking like, is this how all my hard work over the last X amount of months, year of having these two jobs and working towards this album, is this, is this how it's going to like cap? Is this how it's going to end? Um, somebody else is going to dictate you know, the destiny of my life and my, and my gardening and my hard work. Um, so I was sitting there marinating through that and I happened to be scrolling through something and I seen a meme or something that said, art helps us make sense of things. And I was like, Hmm. Hmm. And then something clicked inside me and was like, yo, you were MC. Like you were artist. What are you doing right now? Yep. And I was like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that is right. right. And I was like, hold up, hold up. With my notebook, with my notebook. <laughs> and um, I went to grab my notebook and I just started, I just let first, I just, um, which I do sometimes, I just put the pen on the paper and I just yep. tell myself, don't lift the pen. Don't correct nothing. Don't erase nothing. Don't rip nothing. Just just whatever comes out five minutes go okay another five minutes and then I seen what was on the paper and then that was the first like you know um because I I real I didn't realize that I was actually holding from x amount of months also like all the stress um and distress from the work and my travels to and from work. And I, um, I don't know where all your viewers are from, but in New York, just the commute to and from work is, is a stressful situation here because of the trains and the amount of people and all the types of things that go on. Um, plus my, the work, one of the jobs I had, but actually both of the jobs I had were in completely different locations from where the studio was. So I had long travel times as well. So, um, I had all the emotions I had, I had all the, it was a full 12 step program and I let it all out on the page. Plus, as you know, where I come from and all the different ways, um, and experiences that I had growing up, I have so many ways of viewing the world. So Mm -hmm. it just all came out. And then it just so happened in my creative partner, studio partner had come downstairs 
and asked me um, if, if uh, I believe he said, uh, I was thinking about doing a visual for like this thing, they, they talking about this Corona thing. And that was why I was like, uh, I'm, I'm writing something right now. So, oh, um, and, yeah. I, and I was thinking about doing a visual and he was like, yeah, you know, I could, th- he's a producer, he's a uh, audio engineer and a producer. So he was like, yeah, um, I come up with a beat and, um, you know, we could do something. And then we put, we basically just put it together and, f- and for five days straight, that that's what life became is Dear Corona, the whole song. Cause we have a full green screen room and then the booth yeah. right there, the, the big computer right there. So we just, immersed ourselves in creation and i mean if that's not god i don't know what is because that that changed everything for me yeah yeah that was perfect timing too uh yeah yeah let's let's talk about records okay okay you got got a song like dear corona there's other big ones that go you know in that lane dear mama and let me get my notes with this one Okay. They had a song called WAP, if I'm saying that right. (laughs) (laughs) It was number one on the charts, right? Yes, it was. August 7th, the song drew in 93 million streams in in the week ending of August 13th. Now, wow. I had parents. Special day, too. Yeah. I had parents, too. And back then, those records, you know, you had to sneak Richard Pryor and them. You got to find them. You know, they play them when the kids kids are in bed. What is that saying (laughs) that this is now a number one song in the country playing every... I'm seeing kids... And they bought and they yes, and I'm absolutely. Sure, I'm sure you. Absolutely. Know, I'm sure you know the lyrics. For those we we gonna try to keep it rated G here. What do you okay. think? What do you think? What does that say about us when this song, this type of song, is number one on our charts? Hmm. Hmm. This is another loaded question because this this says a lot about a lot of things at play before it ever gets to the people. And I, I, I always reserve a a certain amount of accountability to each and every one of us because each and every one of us does have the ability to choose. We do. Now the illusion of choice that is controlled by a lot of larger forces often trumps that ability and that's where i that's where i i can say like i can't really blame the people on a lot of the things that go on because if you got a radio say first of all uh over I, the number is fuzzy on me right now but there are over 1000 um radio stations in this country close to 2000 um let's say uh, let's say 500 tv stations um Let's let's just say, let's say three thousand total media sources of TV, radio, online, all across the country, right? At this current time, 
all of those things are owned by six corporations. Thousands and thousands across the entire nation are owned by six corporations. The people and there's always a bigger chess game at hand. So who's to say the level above that, that maybe that's an umbrella of one corporation or two or, you know, owned by two world banks or whatever have you. These are other conversations. But you have uh, even just even just the one of like the clear channel. You have you have a big corporation that owns the majority of the radio stations in the country. Right. Uh, you have uh, record labels that are owned that are under these same umbrellas of these same corporations. So you have an artist who signed to one of these labels um, who they who they are heavily investing in. They're right. paying out these radio stations, these TV stations, these online platforms. They're paying out. They want exposure. They want visibility. They want prime time. They want number one slots. They want that song played every hour on the hour for every day of every quarter of every season of every year. Okay. There is, it's, there is no match. Like the average, average person has no match for the bombardment of a song being played every hour on the hour to the point where now you cannot even like a song. You don't even have to like a song, but you're going to hear it so much. You're going to see it posted so much. Yeah. You're going to see clips of that video and people making memes out of it so much that yeah. you might catch yourself singing along or somebody else singing along and it's going to just become like it enters you. Yeah. And I actually watched, um, Professor Griff, and I can't remember the brother's name, but there's a really uh, dope uh, like huddle that they had about this, about the song WAP and, and about uh, what was it called? The weaponization of, of hip hop and something yeah. else. Yeah, um, seen it. But part of, part of their conversation was about how music goes inside you. And yeah. I think that's something that a lot of us don't really, I know I'm, I think that's something that a lot of us that we don't talk about and it would, if I was the person in control of stuff and like that, where I'm making, you know, we're doing 93 million streams, you know, in the month of August, which is a very, like I said, that's a very special month. Uh, yeah. The people on your wall, people may not know about Black August and Black August resistance. Like August itself is a very, very special month. There's a lot of revolutionary energy in that month. So for you to bring up that month of when like, that's when streams were clocking in highest and that's where songs came out. That's very interesting because that's, wow. that's, that's making sure that the people are steered about on this as opposed to being steered at this. It wasn't even like, Oh, well, we could do both. Nah, it was all this. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And yep. a conversation that we don't really have, um, like a metaphysical effect of music. And I seen a meme a lot that said um, how our ancestors understood the power of music. I mean, that's why we have the things we have today, but our ancestors understood that music can be used as a, to heal and anything like anything in nature, anything that is medicine is, can also be poison. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So the, the sound waves of music can travel. They travel not just into your ear, but into your body, into yeah. your bloodstream, into your organs, into your chakras. So imagine if you got a piece of music that is designed to numb you or designed to confuse you or designed to distract you or designed to make sure that all your lower energies and properties are constantly stimulated, but none of your hires are ever, are ever even touched. 
You right. know what I'm saying? That starts to have a huge effect on you. Um, and imagine this over uh, times 100 songs, uh, times every year, times five years, 10 years, your whole life. You know what I'm saying? Now you're dealing with generations of people who are dealing with different defects and diseases and impairments just from the music, just from the media. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Just from the commercials. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, I'm never, first of all, I'm never, I'm never mad at um, nobody from my community trying to get a dollar and lift themselves and their families and the people they care about out of poverty and, um, you know, into upper mobility. Never mad at that. Never. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, I can think critically and and say, you know, am I being, am I being used? Am I being co-opted? Am I, am I compromising any part of, of my effect on the people and on myself, what I'm making, has my mm-hmm. art been taken to do something else? You know what I'm saying? Or am I, am I, am like, what is my intention with this art? And um, let's say my intention was to get money, get on the radio, get this, get this hit off, you know, get the dollars coming back in. Yeah. Then what, you know what I'm saying? Is there a follow-up? Is yeah. there, is, is there, you know, uh, a, a transformation, a transmutation of that, uh, yeah. a balance that you could offer. You know what I'm right. saying? So, right. so that right. that's that's my caveat with that. You know what I'm saying? Is the the profits and and the promotion and everything that you're getting out of choosing to do the kind of art that doesn't offer a lot of balance for the people. You got to recognize what you're like, how you're affecting the people. And if you're not going to do anything that's going to give the people back something to uplift them, to serve them, to heal them. Um, now we, now we got to really ask, you know, what's your intention? And we definitely, definitely, definitely got to really question our cosign of these companies, of these managers, of these radio supervisors, of these radio stations, of these media uh, companies, of these blogs, of these YouTube channels, all these things that are actively working to keep us down there with um, the art that's not serving us, while also not making sure none of that bread gets kicked back to the community anyway. So what are we all really doing? You know what I'm saying? Real talk, real talk, real talk. Yeah, I knew I was going to get something special from you. That's what's up. That's what's up. (laughs) Right. Okay. So in dealing with music, but this is a broad one. You can go all the way with this. How important are words? Oh, huge. I'm so glad you said that. You just reminded me and I forgot to say. Yeah. (laughs) I saw a meme that said, I saw a meme that said, if we call it a meme, it said that the average over the last 10 years, all the number one hits on the billboard charts average a third grade reading level. Mm. Let me say it again for the people over the last 10 years, all the number one hits on the billboard charts average a third grade reading level. Wow. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with third grade. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really bright. (laughs) For a third grader, that's great. (laughs) There's a lot of bright third graders out there. You know what I'm saying? I could teach you some things. You know what I'm saying? True. That's true. At the same time, at the same time, 
I would have I would have guessed at least fifth. I said this on Facebook. I would have guessed at least fifth grade. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know it was third. We're not even out of elementary. You know what I'm saying? So and like we just talked about once once you get into the top 20, top 10, top five, definitely top 40. But definitely when you get into the top 10 songs in the country, these are the songs that are getting the most rotation. So to have an average third grade reading level means we are not venturing out of a certain level and layer and dynamic of thought. That 10 years is already a generation. Yeah. So so if you got a generation and a half of people who are used to living out an elementary level of thought, Mm. then you start hitting them with, you know, a pandemic where medical things and metaphysical things and scientific things and political things and electoral yeah. things and yeah. you know things going on with, with the real estate and you know with their local government and with rights and the constitution and right, you right. know land rights and, yeah. and you are you really expecting people <laughs> to be equipped mentally right navigate themselves through that and to uplift themselves and not be submissive, minimized, victimized by these things? Of course not. Hell no. But you see, if I'm the person, you know, if I'm the person with the so-called power, this all plays right into my hands. I'm saying a a dumb generation and dumber as they come, Mm. you know what I'm saying? That's bread for life. I'm make, yeah. I'm I'm feeding my entire family for generations off the lack of intelligence of yeah. of you and your family. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. words are very important. You don't have to be, you know what I'm saying? We don't all have to be reading a dictionary every day. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But to have words just like the music how how it affects the body metaphysically. Um, you can tell when you hear certain words or when you're having a conversation and somebody says a certain thing, how it can make you feel a certain way. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Words do, words do that. Words carry energy. And the way that words are put together, you know what I'm saying, plus the emotion behind them, these things affect us mentally yeah. and psychologically. So yeah. the least we could ask or the least an artist could do or a speaker or a leader or anybody in a position, uh, you know, where people more, more eyes are on you. The least we could ask is for you to be truthful. It's for yeah. you to be accurate. It's for you to be uh, thoughtful or speak from the heart or have something real to offer, you know, or have perspective, you know, yeah. or, or give us something to equip our ability to choose knowing that even if you don't, there are already forces at play that don't want us to have that. They're actively working against that all the time. You know what I'm saying? So the, every time that you choose to not give us a plus in this situation, you're feeding all their minuses. You know what I'm saying? So words are very important. And as an MC, of course, and I started as a poet. So uh, words are extremely important. I studied political science in undergrad. I had to read a lot of words. Right, right. And man, 
you know, that's how a lot of people get over with the law. You know what I'm saying? Because they're underestimating words. A lot of people in our community, oh, the law is not for us. It don't work for us. You know what I'm saying? Nah, words are important. You choose the right words. You say them at the right time. You know what I'm saying? With the right, you know, organization of them. You got power. You know what I'm saying? So words, yeah, words are very important. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Real talk. Real talk. Uh, Let's, we'll back off. Let's hit your song. Uh, Let's hit, let's, let's talk about Nitty Gritty. Hey. I dig that, man. And then when I caught that, Nitty what time? Oh, man. I was like, wow. With the Lady Rage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. What motivated what motivated that song? Big shout out to Mark Ski from the UK. I'm so proud to be doing like international collaborations. I'm, that's yeah. like that's God for real. Right. Um right. that was all him. Yeah. He basically scouted me. He had played a couple of my songs on his radio station, which I was super grateful for. And right. then he already had the album that he was working on, Catch Wreck in play and almost done and he was like I really would like a, a woman to you know lace this particular song and I think you will rip it and um I I did ask him like you know what what should I write about what should I talk about and he was basically like yo the subject matter is all on you like whatever you want to do with it. And he literally said, be as braggadocious or as conscious or whatever as you want. And I was like, what? Okay. Say no less. <laughs> the door wide open. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So wide open. And it had been right. a while since somebody told me that. Oh, wow. So I was just like, whoo. And then knowing that I was going to be the only woman on the project okay. and having the hook with Lady of Rage, like Lady of Rage, right. if people don't right. know, y'all need to All look right. up Lady of Rage. Like I've really, and she's got a dope story too. Um, yeah. Lady of Rage, she just has this energy about her that is just so no nonsense, and but so funky and so, you know what I'm saying? So confident, so like, her divine feminine, her divine masculine, it's like, it's all intact and she's here and right. present and you're gonna hear it um, oh. and feel her. Wow. So I was like, yeah, I can't slack on this, man. Right, Lady right, right. on the hood? Oh, man. Right. At first, I thought it was Queen Latifah. I couldn't, I couldn't really hear what the, the headphones I was listening to. Um, yep. But to me, on, on a terms of, like, intensity scale, when it comes to MCing and, like, artistry, Lady yeah. Rage is, like, going deeper in the intensity scale from Queen Latifah. You know what I'm saying? Even though okay. Queen Latifah is, like, you know... Yeah, prolific yeah. queen. You know what I'm saying. Right. So I was like, man, I got to do this justice. You know what I'm saying. Okay. So that is how that came about. Putting that together. Wow. Wow. Yes, sir. That's dope. That's real I'm dope. Sorry, did you get to hear Hugo? I did not. Oh I'm going, man, I'm going through your catalog, but yeah. Yo, you're yeah. gonna. I haven't yeah. heard that one yet. You're gonna really love that one. I. That's an assumption. Yeah. But from the wall alone, from the wall okay. of behind you alone. Okay. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> that is going to be your song. Right. Okay. 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 If, yeah. Would you I'll permit look- me, you permit me a few seconds to just plug what that song is about? Please do. Go for it. Thank you, sir. 
Hugo Pinnell Mosh is the name of the song. It is named after Hugo Pinnell, who was a political prisoner. He has made transition since. He was a political prisoner in the San Quentin prison system. He was in solitary confinement for over 40 years, people, 40 years. Okay, he was murdered in prison. He was part of the San Quentin Six. He was brother in arms with George L. Jackson, author of Blood in My Eye, author of Soledad Brother who was in comrade with Angela Davis, who was in comrade with James Carr, who was in comrade with uh, a lot of the, the, the black guerrillas on the West Coast, mm. black Panthers on the West Coast. Right. Hugo Pinnell's daughter is still alive. She is still mo doing movement work. She's yeah. still on a weekly basis is going out with her husband and helping to take care of homeless people. They still wow. run programs for youth and families. That's they still do a lot of community centered things and helping people in the, um, in the Northern California area, uh, right. especially around Sacramento. And she is also currently the only one keeping his name alive. Okay. Yeah. So it was, uh, he actually was murdered in during the first Black August that I celebrated, okay. which is a 31 day salute where we fast, we train, we study for 30 days. He was murdered during the, my first commemoration of that uh, regimen. So wow. it affected me very deeply. And wow. I wrote this song during that. And okay. I also did a visual collage of, um, a lot of revolutionary topics okay. and how Mosh is in the mind first, which we've been talking a lot about right. words, energy, frequencies, studying, you know, self-care, awareness, perspective, you yeah. know, these are all things that every revolutionary possesses and every revolutionary was a regular person first. You know right. what I'm saying? So I wanted to connect all those dots and keep his name alive and salute her for the ongoing work she's doing. So that's right. Hugo Pinnell. Wow. Wow. That's what's up. That is what's up. I knew it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> Thank she, you, she, she's, uh, she's using her brain a hundred percent if that's possible, you. you know? So. Oh man. Yeah. Right. Right. Getting right. Trying. <laughs> trying. Right. Man, when I'm at a hundred. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't even need this phone. Right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be telegraphing all right. that stuff from my brain. It be coming to you, it just be flying. Just be, <laughs> yep. be controlling it with your mind. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, we we could talk for probably three hours on a bunch of topics, but I ain't gonna we keep you that say. I ain't gonna keep you that long. Uh, we got we got plenty. I got so much to give them. And it's a, it's about feeding all of those who got an ear to hear. You know what I'm saying? Yes, give, sir. Give them some good That's stuff. Right. Music, uh, media, whatever it is, give them some good stuff. Uh, take it back to the days where the kids wasn't in front of the TV listening to a bunch of cussing and sex. And, you know, back in the day, that stuff wasn't allowed in the household. You know, you partake of it when you became adult. But, you know, it's, it's a big, it's different now. But we're dealing with it. Always we're dealing with it. Be. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, I give you one more question. Uh, this is in music. Mm -hmm. How how important we talking to the young MCs? How important okay. is it? How important is it to own your own publishing, mastering? Oh, oh man, 
publishing, there's no way around it. You have to own your publishing. You have to own your publishing. If you don't, um, basically every time you put out a song, you're basically holding up a big sign that says, rob me. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, you gotta be caught. You gotta, you gotta register. You gotta copyright it. Uh, and, and it has to be under your publishing, um, as a songwriter or under your publishing company, both if you could swing it. Um, the publishing company, uh, I'm trying to condense this cause obviously this is a longer conversation, but I will say yeah. that especially for the younger artists coming up, uh, I know when you sign up with BMI to begin your publishing company, I believe you're paying $150 mm. to get everything registered, um, yeah. and you know, signed up and everything. But then after that, you're not paying anything. All you're right. doing is paperwork every time you register a song. Right. Um, so that's 150, you know, for a perpetuity of securing the life of your music, you exactly. know, which I don't yeah. know, to me, that's a good investment. There's yeah. a lot of people who spend more than that on sneakers. Oh yeah. <laughs> at the drop, <laughs> at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Bro. Oh, that's uh, a whole other conversation, man. That's a whole nother. Uh, that's why I said we could talk all night, but, uh, but yeah, about so, publishing. Yeah. So it's, so yeah, so so publishing, yeah, get get your publishing company because every time that you put yourself in a position to be able to not only protect the rights of your songs, but to also secure the royalties that are going to come should your song be played on the radio, should it get used in a movie or a commercial or anything, you want to be paid for your work. And right. a lot of those situations will be paid every time that song is used. But right. if it's not registered, if you don't own the publishing, you don't get paid off of that. And if somebody right. else owns that, they they may not only never see your name, but you'll never get the the bread either. And you don't right. want to be off somewhere broke, you know, yeah. when you could have been, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that. Um, um and you know, look up look up splits and so every time if you're working with a producer and it's 50-50 between you, not only are you splitting 50-50 of the of the song creation, you're splitting 50-50 of the publishing. So just yep. get yourself familiar with, with yep. what that means. It's a it's a two hundred percent pie, not a one hundred two hundred percent pie, and you're splitting the, that down the middle. Right. Segway, the mastering. I'm I'm still I'm still learning that a lot of people don't own their masters, even mm -hmm. in this day, which is very surprising to me because once we shifted more into the independent era and the digital era, like everything basically like sean price and up right. once we shifted into that um you as an independent artist there should be no reason why you don't own your masters so right. if you ended up signing some kind of contract or some kind of agreement where your masters were um part of th what they were getting i need you right. to go back and look at that paperwork I need you to go get that paperwork looked at. And if you can restructure that or get out of that contract, I need you to do that because right. with that, the same conversations we was having about the publishing with, right. if your song gets picked up and used for other things, or maybe you submit it to a festival or a play or something like that. Mm -hmm. If you don't own your masters, you don't even have the right to distribute that song. You don't even have the right to say, yes, you can use it in that movie or, you know, yes. You know what I'm saying? So not only are you holding up the, the rob me sign, but you're holding up the, I don't even own these. <laughs> sign. You're holding up All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not bueno. That's right. Right. Um, you don't own your masters. You don't own the original piece of music that gets copied to get distributed everywhere else. The master is the original. Once you left the studio, that that final, final, that's the master. So now every time you go to the studio, every time you finish that session on that song and you get all the stuff done, get all of that back. Get right. copies of all that, your sessions, yeah. uh, the unmixed, the mixed, the mastered version of that. Get all of that back because that in collectivity are your masters. Masters, yeah. I, I just, I, I can't even fathom that you would have all that in your palm of your hand and say, here, somebody, do what you want. But no, yeah. that's you. That's, babe, yeah. You worked hard on that. You know what I'm saying? So if there's any kind of way for you to not give that up, <laughs> do that. And if you're and if you are giving that up, make sure you're getting a very, very lucrative and well-serving return in exchange because mm -hmm. they're going to own your art for life. Even right. and after you die, they'll still own it. You yep. know what I'm saying? Unless you have provisions in, in paper. You know what I'm saying? It's very important questions. Thank you. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I knew you could knock them out, so... I, I, I was, you know, so you did your thing. You did your thing. I ain't going to hold you any longer. We got so much. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm watching. I'll be in touch with you very soon. Dope. And before I forget, I need you. I'm going I'm to remember the name, but I need you to watch this documentary on Winnie Mandela. That's okay. gonna blow your mind. I was right. telling you off cam about about the Nelson Mandela. It's gonna blow your mind, right. and right. you may right. want to. You may end up switching out his face for her face by the end okay. of that documentary. Really? I'm wow. telling you. Yeah. Wow. It's, okay. I, I'm gonna find her name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I want to see it. I want to see it. So yeah. Uh, send me an email, a picture of what it looked like, or something. I'll send me anything. Yeah, and I'll find it. <laughs> okay, I will. Thank I'll you so much it. for having me on. I appreciate you, you coming on. Thank you for hooking us up. Yep, yep. Big shout out. Big shout out. She's a good person. And uh, we'll be in contact. Yes, sir. Peace right. to the people. Yep. Stay up, y'all. Take care. Peace.